0: It's good to see you all today, whether you're here in the room or online. Thanks for joining us here at GFC. Uh, Thanks for worshiping Jesus together. It's good to be together this Sunday morning. Well, if you don't know me, my name's Andrew, one of the pastors here at GFC. I've... A couple announcements for us, and then we're going to, Pastor Corey's going to come up, and he's going to bring the word for us this morning. So first things first, if you're new with us, uh, thanks for being here today. We have these Next Step cards, and I would encourage you to fill that out, put that in the drop box back of the room. Those cards are throughout the room, behind the chairs. Um, That's a great way for us to get to know you a little bit, and so that we can uh, let you know who we are here at GFC, why we love Jesus. And if you are new with us, we also have a gift for you. Please stop by the Next Steps uh, table out there. Grab that. We have a free cup of coffee for you in there. Uh, We want to tell you about who we are, and so please uh, pick that up. Uh, we got a couple of things coming up here at GFC. The first is we have a woman's ice cream social coming up here. Uh, there's a graphic up on the screen. It's Saturday, July 1st. Uh, it's going to be a great time just to socialize and eat some ice cream. I mean, those that's awesome, all right? So if you are late here and you are free uh, Saturday, July 1st, uh, I'd encourage you to check out the ice cream social. Um, we do ask that you bring your own chair for that because um, it's going to be outside. And then uh, please, if you're able to, sign up online just so then we know how much ice cream to get all right. If we buy too much ice cream, then I have to eat all the rest of the ice cream, which I would sacrifice and do that. All right. So, uh, so please check that out. We also have Fourth of July coming up really, really quick. Um, Fourth of July is awesome. If you haven't been here for Fourth of July at GFC, uh, the borough sets out fireworks out in our our field. It's a great time. But we have a ton of people from our community come, and we want to bless them. And so, as people come and show up, we want to hand out waters and popsicles and glow sticks and different things just to be a blessing to our community. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, there'll be more info about that. You can sign up on our website to donate different things or to help out that evening. So that is the 4th of July. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, Next week is Father's Day. And on Father's Day next week, we have uh, a gift for all the guys. But we also have something we're going to give away to one special lucky person. All right. One special lucky guy. So but in order to get that thing, you have to be here in this room. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. You just have to show up next week and find out and see if you can win. So next week, it's going to be a fun time here for Father's Day. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, lastly, if you want to make giving part of your worship experience today, we have the drop boxes. You can also give online. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for being with us today. pray and ask that you work in our hearts as we... Sing these songs, and as Corey comes and preaches, Lord, might we just pause and think about you. Might you be the one that we live for? Might you be the one that we long for? Prepare our hearts for what you have in store for us this week. In your name I pray. Amen.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Andrew. Uh, Great to see everybody. Thanks again, like he said, for joining us, whether you're here uh, in the room, or you're watching online, maybe you're watching later, you're listening in the car as you're driving. Thanks for keeping up with us in this series. And we've been going through our summer series, and it's been called Soundtracks. So you can see kind of the tagline there on the screen, uh, the truth you believe will produce the fruit you see. Just as a reminder, I got this idea from another book called Soundtracks. And it was, a, it was a book about overthinking, but as I read that and processed it and thought about the scriptures that we would be going through this year, I thought, hey, this is actually something that we should think about uh, the way that Jesus tells us to think about it. And so as we traveled through the book of Luke, which is what we've been doing this year, we got to a point in Luke 6 where Jesus says, what you store, the treasure that you have in your heart and in your mind is going to produce the type of person you are. And when he talks about that idea of treasure, I don't know about you, but when I think of treasure, I think of things or possessions or something like that. But when he uses that word treasure, he uses the same word that we get the word thesaurus from. So he's talking about the words we store, the truth we believe, and the way that we understand that is then going to contribute to the way we live, the actions we take, the habits we form. And sometimes those things are given to us by other people. Sometimes we listen to soundtracks that we hear from our parents. And if our parents give us really good soundtracks, that's a good thing. If our parents give us bad soundtracks, that's a bad thing. But it's going to influence the way that we live and the way that we see the world. And so how we tied this together is I would say that this is true. I think you would agree with me that the soundtrack plays a huge role in how we understand the story. Whether it's movies, TV shows, video games, what have you. When you're watching something on a screen, there's a certain soundtrack behind it, it's going to influence the way that we understand what's going on. It's actually a big deal. I think it was the movie Interstellar maybe where there was like no sound for a while because they were in space and it was one of those things that was weird because there were moments in the movie where there was just silence and usually that's not the case. They want you to feel something. They want to draw you in. So the soundtrack plays a huge role in how we understand the story and the truth we believe about ourselves, about God, about the world is going to influence the way that we live out the story we understand. So then when Jesus starts to talk about certain fruits not coming from other things, we don't expect oranges from apples, and he talks about figs and thorn bushes, he talks about then the fruit we produce comes from that treasure we store, and so we tied the line to Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what it says in Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, and so today you see the word on the screen that's highlighted is patience. We're going to talk about patience, and if you missed the last few weeks, we've already talked about love, joy, and peace. I would encourage you to go back and to listen to those weeks, but here's a question I want to start off with, okay? I want to start with this question. What is something that's worth waiting for? Now, some things we want, and you don't have to answer this out loud, just process it. Some things we want as quick as we can get them, right? We're going to talk about that in a minute. We want it really quick. But there are certain things that we would say it's worth waiting for, right? There was a point in time when Carter was going to be born, and about two months before he was due... We had some things happen, and Becca had to be in the hospital for a whole weekend, and they were saying they were pretty sure Carter was going to come early, so they gave Becca some steroids so that he would actually develop faster, right? So when it comes to kids, you want them to stay in line. Now, sometimes you get to the point where, ladies, you're like, I'm ready for this baby to get out of here, right? It's been time. Let's go. But at the same time, you're like, we want it to a certain point. You know those weeks, and you go, okay, if we get to a certain week, we know everything's going to be okay. So when you're having a child, right, waiting is good. We want the time to be spent developing that child. Maybe it's a relationship. You want the time put in to understand other people and to build that relationship. And so some things are worth waiting for. And yet sometimes we would get on the opposite side of that, and we would say, I don't want to wait. I want this now. And in many situations, we have a timeline in our mind that we will wait. There's a certain amount of time at a restaurant where you know if you order something, it's going to take a certain amount of time, and you know you're going to have to wait a little while, but there's a point where you start to go, why am I waiting so long, right? And that starts to challenge us. Or you might be at a theme park or something, and you look at the line, wait, and it's posted at a certain amount of time, and there's a certain amount of times in your mind that you go, yeah, I'll wait that long for that ride or that experience, but there's a certain amount of time I'm not going to wait that long for that experience. And so we've got this idea in our mind where, where patience for us has a time on it, like it has an expiration date. And it can challenge us and, and help us understand like what's going on in our heart and mind, depending on maybe how long that expiration date or that timer that's going to go off is. And so when, when we've thought about these fruits of the Spirit, we've been talking about this, the way that we've kind of couched it is we start with a lie, a lie that we think Many people believe, or we get stuck in thinking, or that culture tells us to think, and then we're going to talk about a truth. So here's the lie that I think is true, that we get stuck in sometimes, and it influences our patience. Here's the lie. If it's not fast enough, it's not good enough. So Amazon and Google have done these things to us, right? So when I go on Amazon and I see something is going to take longer than two days, I'm already frustrated, why can't you get it to me in two days? Some things I can get tomorrow. Like there are things I can get on my phone right now and it will be there tomorrow. So why is this thing gonna take a week? Here's the other thing that gets me. If I'm somewhere or even if I'm at my own house and my internet's not loading fast enough, I'm already frustrated. Like why is this not right now, right? Why is this so slow? Why is this thing I'm paying for not happening, right? So if it's not fast enough, it's not good enough. And we've been taught this on many levels. We will pay for things to be quicker even if they're not as good, right? We'll pay for something to be faster, even if the quality is less, because we don't want to be without that thing. We want to fill that void and make sure that we have what we want. And what this has done, and I, like I said, I do it too all the time, it has challenged what kind of patience we will have. And I gave you the example of, a minute ago of being at a restaurant. And if the food takes too long, what do we do? We tip less. So even when it's maybe not even the waiter or the waitress's fault, they're going to see the reflection of how much patience we actually have by how much we may or may not tip them. And so our patience, it kind of rules our life. Like, are we patient? Are we not going to be patient? There's certain deadlines and things we put on it. And what does that mean, and how are we then processing this as followers of Jesus? And when Paul talks about this in Galatians, what does it mean for us to say, I'm going to be a patient person. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do that in me. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at a story today. Some of you may know this story. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to go. So you can have the verses will be up on the screen for you, or you can scan the QR code on the back of the next steps card uh, or go to our website and go to the follow along. You'll have all the verses and all the notes there. Um, it's a really easy way to follow along with what we're going to talk about today. But in, go, in sorry, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says this, The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, think about this for a minute. What if you got that promise from God? How would you feel? it's a pretty good day, right? I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be a blessing to all people. All the families on earth will be blessed. By the way, we all are included in this verse, okay? So this is a foreshadowing. God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to do this thing through you. Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel, so you trickle this down all the way. Jesus comes from this line. We can draw that line in their lineage, okay? So all the people on earth are going to be blessed. What does that mean? It means when Jesus comes and dies and offers us restoration to the Father, that's what this is talking about. So this is a great day for Abram. He gets this great promise. This is a really good thing. We would all leave this day and go, this is going to be awesome. Like life from here on out is going to really be great. And I can't wait to see what God does through my life. But then nothing happens for a few years. Well, things happen in Abram's life, but this promise doesn't come true for a while. And so when we fast forward, we're going to go to Genesis 15. And we're going to start, well, I'll tell you what verse 1 talks about. Verse 1, God comes back and starts talking about this promise again. But then in in Genesis 15, verse 2, we get Abram's reply. He says, "O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children... Elizar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. Let's, let's pause for just a second and just think about this phrase. He says, O oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't have a son? What would be the fill in the blank for us? Like where we look at God and we go, what good are all your blessings if I don't have X? Sometimes we get stuck there. We go, what good are all the blessings God has given me if I don't have health? What good are all God's blessings if I don't have money? What good are all God's blessings if I don't have the relationship I want? But we can see when we're looking at this and we look at Abram, we go, that's silly. I mean, we know the rest of the story, so if you've read it, so you kind of get where I'm going with this. But when we look at God and go, all your blessings don't matter if I don't have this one, we see how ridiculous that is. But then going on in verses 3 and 4, it says, you have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verses five and six. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, just to give you an idea, about the amount of time from where we started in Genesis 12 to 15 is about 10 years. So Abram gets this promise, and then fast forward 10 years, God brings up the promise again. And Abram, I mean, he doesn't have the right attitude, but you kind of get it. Like 10 years later, we still haven't seen this promise. God hasn't come through yet. He hasn't given the thing. And, and having a descendant at this time in life was huge. Because he says it. He goes, if I don't have a descendant, I have no one to hand down my stuff to. Someone else is going to inherit my stuff. I want to give it to my kids. And God says, I'm going to give you kids. I'm going to work that out. And not only that, you're going to have so many that it's going to be like the stars in the sky. And Abram believes him. And so God says, you are righteous because you have believed that I'm telling you the truth. But then we run into problems if we fast forward just a little bit further. In the beginning of chapter 16, this is what happens. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Verse 3, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian sh- servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Adam had settled, sorry, after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So again like we said, 10 years later. Sarah gets a little bit impatient and Abram goes along with her. So they're both a little bit impatient. They both decide, let's take this into our own hands. Clearly God is preventing me from having children. So even though he said he was going to give us heirs, let's just work this out on our own. We'll come up with our own plan, we'll figure this out. And this is how we'll come up with the descendants that Abram is supposed to have. But here's what I think is true. When you act upon impatience, you end up broken or burnt. When they decided to carry out this plan, it was Sarai's idea. We just read it. But guess what happens? We're not going to read it all, but I'll give you the quick version. Uh, Hagar ends up pregnant, and she has a son. And Sarai gets mad because now she's jealous. And you want to look back at her and go, but you, this was your idea. Like you came up with this and you brought this to the table and you may, we don't even know if Hagar was wanting to do this plan, but she, she was a part of it anyway. And so now she's mad at her. And so the relationship comes, becomes strained and she, Hagar goes off by herself and God has a conversation with her and the relationship is broken because of the impatience that happened because of Abram and Sarah not being willing to wait for God's timing. And the reason I say broken or burned is because we know when we use something in a way that it's not supposed to, we risk breaking it. Or if we try and do something too quick, like we try and cook something too fast, like if something says put it in the oven for 250 for an hour and I just go, I'm just going to do it for 500 for 20 minutes, what's going to happen? I'm not even good at cooking and I know that's a bad idea. You're going to burn it. It takes time, and like we talked about, we understand that there are certain things in life that we know are going to take time, but there are other times when we go, this is taking too much time, and I'm not okay with it, and we step in, and we push the envelope. We rev the car too fast. We bake too quickly, or we push a relationship way too fast, or we just don't wait, and we do that. We take God's plan, and we take it into our own hands or whatever, and we end up difficult situation. And we've all been in situations where someone has been pushing us to do something we're not ready to do. How do we feel about that person? It's not a good thing. We get a pit in our stomach when they show up, maybe, because we know that we're not ready to do what they're asking us to do. Let's go back to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 17, picking up in verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Jump ahead a little bit to verse 17 and 18. Then Abram bowed down to the ground and he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? What God said was in about a year, you're gonna have your baby. He thought, how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abram said to God, "'May Ishmael live under your special blessing.'" Ishmael was Hagar's son. So he's already got a son. He, uh, he thinks, oh, if God's telling me this baby's gonna be born, he goes, no, this can't be right. Like, this has to be just Ishmael. So Ishmael's gonna get the blessing that we thought. He still goes back to his plan and goes, oh, God's gonna use my plan. Verse 19, but God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant verses twenty and twenty one as for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked, I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become like he will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year, so finally. <laughs> God says, here's your timeline. This is when it's going to happen. And Abram's still, Abraham now at this point, because God changes his name there in chapter 17, he still doesn't quite believe him. But God says, no, no, no. My plan is the right plan. And, and here's what we have to understand. God's timing is rarely quick, but it's always right. I don't know many situations where, I've not heard many stories. Now, some exist, where people have leaned into what God is going to do, or they felt like God was leading them to a place, and God just did it like that. Usually, it takes time. It takes people showing up. It takes investment of their own time. It takes investment of relationships. It takes faithfulness with little before you get to much. Like, God takes time to walk through it, just like he did with Abraham. And so we know that it's not going to be quick all the time, but it's always going to be right. This is hard. Because we want what God has promised. Or we at least want what, God, what we think God has promised. Or we want what we think we're owed because we've followed God for so long. We've done, we've, you know, we think we've been obedient. We've done what his word says. And so we want the blessing of that. And so we wait for that or we try and wait for that. or We want it to come faster and we, we wait and we wait and we wait. And we, we think maybe God's not there. He's not listening to us. He's rarely quick, but he's always right. But, but here's where I want to help us understand this, okay? In Romans 8, verses 27 to 28. This is, this is where I think we can really parse this out and understand. Since says, "...the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them." Now, if you've been in church for a while, there's a phrase in here. You've probably heard more than the rest of these verses. And it starts at the beginning of what's verse 28. It's not there on the screen, but it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And we almost hear that, and there's, it's almost like there's a period at the end of that verse, or at the end of that sentence. There's not. Here's the key in understanding this verse. If you've seen it, you might have seen it on art. You might have seen somebody post it. You might have seen somebody tweet it. I don't know. Here's what we have to understand. We have to look at the context of this verse to understand what this means. So let's just start back at the, verse, at the beginning of verse 27. It says, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. God knows our hearts. He knows what we need. He knows what the best plan is. He's not oblivious to all that. So when we show up and say, God, I really feel like I need this, He doesn't show up and go, I had no idea you were thinking that. Right? He gets it. So then let's keep going. It says, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That's a very important sentence. Because what we understand through Scripture is that the Spirit intercedes to God for us. So like when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to do, if we have the Holy Spirit, He's connected to God and helping bridge that gap to help us understand and help God understand too. So here's the thing though. He says, in harmony with God's own will. This is not, I show up with a list. We kind of talked about this last week. And God just expected to do the things I'm asking him to do. This is me coming along the same will as God. Like understanding what God's will is and then coming alongside that. So in that vein, understanding that our job is to come along alongside God's will, then he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. You could almost circle back and go, who trust in God's will, and then he says, and are called according to his purpose for them. It doesn't say, and it called for their own purpose. Does that make sense? So when we look at this and we see our goal is to fulfill God's purpose in our lives and our goal is to understand God's will for our lives, then he works that out for good. If we are on our own and just chasing our own stuff and saying, I'm just going to live my own way, I'm going to ignore God, and then I'm going to expect everything to work out the way that I think it's going to work out and it's all going to be good, that's a misreading of this text. The goal is for us to come alongside God's will and to be called according to his purpose for us. And when that happens, then God's plan comes in full motion, and we will see the good work out even in the most difficult situations. That's what this means. But sometimes it takes us a while to get on the same page with God, doesn't it? Like, maybe at first we're fighting it. We don't like it. We don't want to be there. But it takes us a while to understand. So here's what we can't do, and this is what I would challenge us with. Don't fight the battle between God's will and your timing. I'll say it to me. I shouldn't fight the battle between God's will and my timing. Those are sometimes at odds with one another. And when we fight that battle, we're not going to come out on the right side. But when we align ourselves with God's will, here's the next thing. Align yourself with God's will and allow him to deliver what he promised. Now, when we look at the story of Abram, what was the promise? The promise was for descendants. We might look at our lives and go, I don't really know what God has promised me. But then we go back to Romans 8 and we go, what has he promised? He promises if we come alongside his will, he's going to work out everything everything for good. So when we trust in him and we move that direction, then we know what the promise is. So then when we get to difficult times, we go, I don't know what God's doing. We just go, okay, but if I'm aligned with his will, I know he's going to work it out. If I'm called according to his purpose for me, I know it's going to work out. So here's the lie one more time, okay, that we just talked about a little bit ago. In case you forgot, if it's not fast enough, it's not good enough. Sometimes we tell ourselves these things, we get stuck in this, and we don't see things that take a while as being good enough. Now, here's a spoiler alert. Usually I have one truth. I have two this week, okay? So just so you know, so you're not overloaded, right? Two truths coming. Truth number one, if God's not done working, I'm not done waiting. Now, remember, these are ideas we're supposed to plug in and truth we're supposed to understand so that the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit can work through us, and the fruit of the Spirit will come out through us because we're telling ourselves the truth. So when I don't know what God is doing, I need to say to myself, if God is still working, I'm not done waiting. If I'm not seeing the result I think I should see, I'm not done waiting. Or I think God is doing, or I don't see all the pieces put together yet, I'm still going to wait. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to believe He's coming through. This is what Abraham, yeah, Abraham and Sarah should have done right? They should have waited. They should have trusted him. They should have said, if God's still working, we're not done waiting. Even though the situation seemed impossible, right? Abraham laughs when God says, your wife's going to have a baby. He goes, we're so old. How can this happen? And God says, no, you don't understand. What's, what you think is impossible is completely possible for me. And there's a few verses in scripture that talk about waiting. Uh, Psalm 27, 14 says this, wait patiently for the Lord be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. That middle sentence is interesting. Be brave and courageous. What does that say to us? Waiting is hard. Sometimes the most brave or courageous thing we can do is wait. That feels so opposite, doesn't it? Like you'd think the courageous thing would be like, charge in, take charge, go do the thing. And yet scripture says, wait, wait for God. Have courage to not jump in and take control. Have courage to wait and allow God to move. And it's always important when something, when scripture says something twice within like three sentences, we should listen. <laughs> it says, wait patiently for the Lord. And then he says it again, wait patiently for him. Here's another verse. Isaiah 40:31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That word for trust in other translations is also the word Wait. So sometimes waiting and trusting go together. It says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. There it is. God's an eagles fan. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So we see the idea of trusting in God. And what's the promise? They will soar on wings like eagles. They will renew or they will find new strength. Why? Because when we're the ones on the timeline and working out our own stuff all the time, we get exhausted. And we can't do what God can do. And so we get in these modes of, if it's not fast enough, it's not good enough, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna take care of it, it's my timeline, I gotta go forward. It says, no, like, wait for God, trust in him. And they, it says, they will walk and not grow weary, they will walk and not grow faint. You can continue on God's pace because you're with him. He knows the pace to go, we don't. And too many times, our pace is way too fast. And so here's what this means, I think. Waiting and trusting means believing God's plan is better than yours. That's a hard one. God's plan is better than mine. Like, you could say that. Like, you could say it and be like, yeah, I think I believe that. And then do we really live it out, though? Like, we get into moments where God's timeline comes along, and you're like, this is too, not too slow. Got to move it up. Let's go. But when we trust and we wait, it means we believe that his plan is actually better than ours. So here's... Here's truth number two. Rushing through life never adds value. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I've kind of discovered over years uh, in kind of getting to know people, okay? There are two different kinds of people on vacation. There are the people who want to go somewhere and sit there and do nothing. Right? They want to go to the beach, they want to sit at the cat who where's my sit and do nothing people? How many people? Okay, I got a handful. There's another group of people that wants to go and see and experience and hike and climb and do all the things. Where are those people? You are my people, okay? If I'm going somewhere, I wanna go do something. Like, I can sit at home and do nothing. Yeah, see, there we go. I got some amens on that one. I can sit at home and do nothing. That's how I feel. Mark, you're not wrong. You can go sit wherever you want, okay? But there's this idea. And then sometimes the challenge is when you get these two types of people on the same vacation, that's where the friction happens, right? Because the one person just wants to sit there and the other person's like, no, we got to go do something. And so we we hit that spot. And what it feels like too, right, to maybe the person who just wants to sit, is the other person is rushing through everything. Like I need to sit and I need to wait and I need to just be here. And listen, that tension is real. And that's kind of just a funny way of understanding this. But that's not exactly what we're talking about. And I want to say this. When I thought about this truth, I was like, I don't want us to think that I'm saying we just, like, don't do anything for a while. We just, I mean, you can on vacation if you want. But the idea is, like, yes, we want to get things done in life. We want to do the things. And we want to be able to uh, achieve things and, and do good things and work together to pursue God's will and all of that. But here's what I know, okay? When you are late... And you need to get somewhere, and you are not there yet, and you took too long in the bathroom, or there were too many outfit changes. Those are not the most loving and kind times in your family, are they? Everybody's mad when you're late. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's patience is this big when that's the case, right? We know in those moments when we're trying to rush and we're trying to get somewhere, those are some of the most difficult times in family life or friend life or whatever, yet we rush through, yet we don't take the time, and we don't slow down. And so there's two sides of this idea of patience that I want to kind of touch on. We touched on a lot of like when God's timing, right? We have to be patient and wait on God, allow Him to work through us and wait. But there's another side that's super practical that I think the patience as a fruit of the Spirit is actually true in just day-to-day life. Like those of us who know Jesus should be patient with other people. It should. It should be different when we show up and things take longer and the person behind the customer service desk is having a hard time. Like it should be different when we interact with them. We should have more patience than them. So how does that work and what does that look like? And this is what I think can help us understand. Giving the gift of time will always build relational equity. There's there's a time I remember, I think I was in high school, I must have been in high school, um, where my youth group was going to an amusement park, which is one of my favorite things to do, so it was super, super fun. We were going to uh, Six Flags Great Adventure, so not a short trip. We were traveling there with our youth group, and we weren't leaving until like, I think like 9 or 10 in the morning, which to me, I was like already itching to get there. I was like, this is not enough time, Okay. And my youth group was only going to be there for, like, five hours. And if you've ever gone to Great Adventure, like, five hours is enough time for, like, two things. Like, it's not enough time. Now, luckily, my parents came. So they drove, and they said, we're going to stay till the park closes. So I was like, awesome. So I spent – this was the summer that Kingda Ka opened. And it was the tallest, fastest roller coaster in the world at that time. I don't think it is anymore, but it was at that time. So my youth group was there for five hours. There was a group of six or seven of us, and that's what we did for those five hours. We just went, and we got in line. We're like, tallest fastest in the world. Why not? So we just got in line, and we played games, and we hung out, and we did all these kinds of fun. And I remember who those seven people were. I haven't talked to, like, any of them in a very long time, but we, well, one of them because he's one of my really good friends. But I don't, we just spent that time together. So we thought it was worth waiting for, right, to get on this ride, and we spent that time together. And I remember those people. I remember the games we played. I remember what we did cuz we spent 5 hours in line just hanging out. We know that when we show up and we give of our time to somebody, it builds a relationship. We know that there are also people when they take the time to help us understand something and they are patient with us, we like those people. There was a time I told you earlier, I'm not good at cooking. There was a time I worked in the, in the kitchen at Red Robin. That was a dumb decision. I don't know why they hired me to do that. But there was a guy there, and he wanted me to learn everything in a day and be good at it. And he had worked in a kitchen for a very long time. And every time I screwed it up, he told me. And every time I got something done, it wasn't fast enough. I had zero desire to have a relationship with that person because they were just always on me, trying to tell me what to do, trying to ha- tell me how to do it. He wasn't patient with me at all. And we know when we show up, like I said, just say it over again, giving the gift of time will always build relational equity, and that takes patience. As I was thinking about this conversation today, and I was actually listening to a podcast, I heard this stat given. Um, I forget the name of the organization that did this study, but Kansas University was the one who then produced the article on it. And it was about how much time it actually takes to build a relationship with somebody. And so they kind of used interesting terms here, so I'm going to kind of try and parse them out for us to understand. But here here were the three statistics they gave. If you're going to go from acquaintance to a casual friend, it takes 50 hours. So go from shaking somebody's hand, getting to know them for the very first time, and then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that person's kind of my friend. 50 hours. Then if you're going to go from casual friend to friend, someone you might, like, invite to something at your house or you might invite to go hang out with you somewhere – 90 hours of time spent. Then if you're going to go from a friend to a close friend, 200 hours. That's 25 full work days just spent getting to know that person. This is why when sometimes this happens, sometimes in in certain situations, somebody will come to you and like they've been dating someone for like two weeks and they're like, I'm going to marry this person. You're like, what do you know about this person, right? Because it takes so much time. To get to know them. Now, sometimes that works out. Sometimes people have that intuition. But in order to really become a close friend, you've got to spend 200 hours. I'll tell you what that takes. That takes patience. And we all know there are people that we get to know, and in that first 50 hours, you're like automatically, I am not making it 200 hours with you, right? We know that. It's not happening. But there are some people that we get to know in that first 50 hours, you're like, I could spend all day with you. I could hang out, we could go on a trip together, we could spend time in a car ride, and I would not be frustrated by that. And we get to that point, and those people are the people we know the closest, and here's what I think. Trust and patience go hand in hand. When you trust somebody, if you know them super well, you are more patient with them. At least in certain situations where they say they're going to do something for you, if you trust them, and even though it takes a little bit longer, like, you're going to trust that they're going to get it done. They're going to be the person who comes through because you know them. You trust them a little bit more. And here's what I think is true, okay? Your patience and my patience with God is a result of the time that we've spent with him. There's not a study that I know of that someone's done and said, in order to know God closely, you need to spend 200 hours. But let's just use this as our litmus test, okay? Let's pretend it takes us the same amount of hours to get to know God really well as it would somebody we just met. The question I would ask us is, where are you in your hours? And here's the challenge, okay? If your plan is to spend church getting to know God, that means you're getting to know God for, I'm up here for maybe a little more than a half hour. You're like, okay, I'll learn from Pastor Corey. That's great. That's great. But, like, if it's a half hour, in order for me to get to 200 hours, I got to spend 400 Sundays. How long does that take you? Because we don't all come every week. I don't come every—like, I'll go on vacation, too. So I'm not, like, trying to say you're doing something wrong. I'm just saying, how long does that take? It takes a long time. And here's what I would say. The times where I've seen people get so frustrated with God's timing or so lost in their trust for God— it's because they don't spend the time getting to know him. They think I'll show up and just do this thing and then I'll just pursue what I want and God will show up and they think that Romans 8 verse is supposed to come in. But they haven't asked what God's will is. They haven't been, they haven't been pursuing his purpose for them. And then they say, why doesn't God show up? I'm out. Listen, we, we've got to spend the time because when we know him, when we are close to him, when we know what his word says, we then understand and will wait because we trust him. Then you get to stories like Abraham and Sarah and go, oh, okay, that's what it looks like when I don't wait on God. Like That's the result. And I want to wait on him and I want to trust him and I want to understand who he is. So, listen, I don't know what you're waiting for. I would assume some people in this room or some people listening online, there's some of us that there's a promise you feel God has made to you and it hasn't happened yet. Wait. Like keep trusting. If God's not done working, you're not done waiting. Like stay in that vein. For some of us, we are really impatient people. And we would our our families, <laughs> our friends would say that. Like I would challenge you, go ask them am I a patient person? And tell them they're allowed to tell you the truth (laughs) and see what they say. Because if we're not patient people, we, we don't understand the amount of patience God has had with us. Like we, every time, every time we turn away, God says, you can come back. We have worn out our patience with God so many times and he's still patient with us. And Romans 8 is still true. So, if that's the case, should we be more patient with the people around us? Probably. So why is that not our go-to? Why is that not the thing that we go to when something takes too long? Just because it takes longer than we think it should take doesn't give us the right to be impatient with people when God is so patient for us. So trust Him. Trust God in His patience or in His timing and be patient with Him be patient with people around you. I'm telling myself the same thing so that we can reflect patience, the patience of God to other people. That's what happens. So here's the last thing I'll say, okay? And maybe this is the soundtrack you need. I'll give you 3. You get 3 this week. How about that? Simple. Slow down, trust Jesus, be patient. Like whatever soundtrack lands for you, whether it's if God's not done working, I'm not done waiting. Or rushing through life never adds value. Or slow down, trust Jesus, be patient. And I'm going to remind you, like I said this weeks ago, I'll remind us of it. Say this to yourself at the beginning of the day. See, see what happens. Say it before you go to bed. Say it when you get in the car. Say it when you brush your teeth or whatever you're going to do. Try and remind ourselves of this and be patient. Summer's a good time to practice patience. If you got kids, you don't have to get them out the door of school, right? That can be a good and bad thing. That can help patients or be more difficult on patients, depending. But it's a good time to practice. Slow down, trust Jesus, and be patient. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's easy, it would be easy, I think, to kind of read that list and go, yeah, I'm good at like three of these and then we kind of ignore the other ones. But I think patience is one of the ones that's probably difficult for many of us because we live at a time where speed is everything. If you can get there fast and you can get there right, that's, that's the right way to do it. And that can create a spirit in us that says when it's not fast enough, when it's not good enough, we have the right to take out our impatience on other people. We have the right to take out our impatience on you. And God, I ask that we would be willing to wait when you ask us to wait, that we would trust you and not try and take your plans into our own hands, but that we would listen when you say, just wait, it's coming. And I pray when it comes to interactions with other people that we would learn to be patient, that maybe we would have the opportunity to sit down with someone close to us and just say, am I a patient person? And and we'll listen to what they have to say. And I pray that we would be patient because you're patient with us. And we would show other people how patient you are with us by the way we interact with them. I pray for us as we continue to kind of put these fruits of the Spirit one on top of the other. They kind of are starting to mesh. uh, And love and joy and peace and patience kind of flow together. God, I pray that you would continue to work in us to help us be people who exude these things, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to move in us and that our first response in in situations where we need patience would be to show the kind of patience you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.